welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Friday, September 9th, and that means we are coming off of a game last night, which I think we all absolutely needed. And we are coming up on week one of the fantasy season, the true part of the fantasy season starting on Sunday, where we'll get to do all of our start sets, lineup moves, and kind of stress out for once again across the nation as we all kind of love to do uh watching these games joining me today as always is going to be es is is, uh god damn it and joining me today is pfn fantasy analyst here mr ian warden you can find him over on twitter at nfl film study how good was it last night to be able to watch football again well it was awesome i mean it was a good game especially in the first half Second half, obviously, the Bills kind of pulled away, but it was still fun, right? Like we have Matt Stafford just being crazy out there, Josh Allen running with like four minutes left on the clock, exactly what we would expect out of him. Um, we hit on four of our bets, so could have been a little bit better, but at least we came out of it not too damaged. Uh, fantasy team, we're playing yeah. each other this week in our PFN league, Tommy. So unfortunately, Allen Robinson, my guy, with 2.2 points, just oh. crushing me. So hopefully fantasy managers out there, let's stay strong in our Allen Robinson faith. They play Atlanta next week. So overall, great to get some fresh football. Could have been a little bit yeah, better, it, though. If we could have been better. And honestly, like that was a win and a loss for me because as much as I was glad Allen Robinson didn't go off against me, he was one of my guys this all year. You either thought he was washed or you thought he was still going to be. He was going to be great. I was on the great side, but it didn't work out. 31 to 10, Bills knock off the the Rams. And yeah, the storyline coming out of that game was, you know, Allen Robinson playing on, you know, 90 something, 90 plus percent of the snaps, 96% uh, target uh, route participation, and gets two targets. Uh, Cam Akers, nothing looked good there, but I actually have just questions about the Rams' offensive line more than anything. Like you said, next week, we'll get to see them take on the Atlanta Falcons. If you're still in on these guys, if anything, it's a buy low opportunity. It's the Bills, and the Bills right now, look like what we thought they could. It's like you just took the team that we saw last year and turned it up to all Madden difficulty, but just don't have all the glitches that Madden has anymore. But what we're going to do is let's move our focus towards the betting segment so far. We're going to do this kind of the same little format. We're going to cover our betting angle for this weekend, then kind of get to our DFS plays, and then cover five starts and five sits for your redraft season. Ian, kind of looking at the slate here, I see you starting off with an AFC East game as the New England Patriots take on the new look Miami Dolphins, but New England Patriots themselves have a new look without Josh McDaniels anymore on this roster. I'm seeing a 46 and a half over under on this one, but which way are you leaning actually on the money line? Because looks like you might not be going with the favorites in this one. Yeah, I, you know, I actually like the Patriots plus the points in this one. Uh, first thing you've got Bill Belichick week one. Uh, that's never a favorable matchup. I know Miami's done so well against the Patriots in Miami. I think Miami does win this game. I just don't like the points. There's a lot of moving parts for Miami, completely new offense. Jalen Waddle, uh, obviously he was out throughout the training camp. Called with a, a quad soft injury. injury. He's it, that's the one good in. thing about finally getting injury reports. We yeah. finally get to put a, a muscle to whatever the hell the injury is. Yeah, not super promising. That could be a cascading injury. That could be something that gets strained very early on in the game. I think Miami's going to be fine for this season. I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited yeah. about their year, actually. But for me, it's the Patriots always play these games closely. I know they've been a mess. I think some of that has swelled into this this point spread that we have because there's been so much negativity. So I like the Patriots plus three yeah, and a half. I, 
I kind of lean on you with this one. Yeah, the Dolphins are three and zero in the last start, but quite frankly, it's that was with Tua being a bit more of a game manager, only averaging about 150 yards per game. Rookie head coach making his start. I'm I'm bullish on the Dolphins. I hope they do well this year. Look, the NFL was better when more teams are good, and I would just like to see Tua shut a lot of people up. Like you said, playing up against the New England Pages on Week One, never a fun matchup. Uh, I love this one. Week one is full of narratives. We got plenty of them, and one that was almost serendipitously came into fruition is is Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers, opening up the season against his former team, the one that shunned him and uh, said, "No, we don't want you." Despite you know bringing us back to relevance, how are you leaning on this one? Are you kind of leaning on the the side with Baker Mayfield? Or are you looking at the the Cleveland Browns? And what honestly, and this is from people that I've talked to too that are in Cleveland. A lot of Browns fans view this as a must-win game, which is a weird thing to say in week one against the Panthers. How are you leaning on this one in terms of the betting aspect? It is. This one's chock full of storylines. The Browns are going to be really close to playoff contention, or they're going to be just out of it when Deshaun Watson gets back. And this is one of those coin flip games. They have a couple of winnable games. They got to have between four and six wins when Deshaun Watson comes back in week 11. So, I'm sorry, week 12. Do you think six wins is enough? This is one of those games they have to win. For playoff contention, I think it is when they when he comes when he comes back, yes. But it just leaves him the margin of error to win four of those mm-hmm. remaining games. Obviously, you can't expect Watson to win all you know six games when he gets back. So to help kind of get to that point, they've got to win these ones. But this is a really tough matchup. I Man, Carolina's not mm-hmm. a bad team. They just had bad offensive line and bad it was quarterback such a young play defense last year. They were really going to Baker get Mayfield. It was. And, you know, yes, they lost Hassan Reddick. I don't love that. But overall, it's a well-coached team. They gave up a lot of yards last year, not a lot of points. Does that regress? That's a little bit of a storyline that I want to watch this season for them. But we've seen this line kind of move back and forth. We've seen the Browns favored. We've seen the Panthers favored. Now we're at Panthers plus one. I actually like the money line on this. You might as well take them the win uh, to go ahead and get that little bit of extra value. I'm all about the narrative in this one. Baker Mayfield can explode in the right matchups. We've seen him play really, really well at times, even though he's an average quarterback. He's going to have some bad moments, of course, but that offense right now is Christian McCaffrey, relatively healthy. Still I'm mentioned on the injury report. So let's, you say that. Uh, we're hoping that he makes it through, but this is the game where I think Carolina can make it look really, really pretty, and then they'll start kind of hitting their uneven flow after this one. So I like the Panthers to win this one at home outright and kind of send some messages throughout the league as we see the Browns already yep, hit. I love that minus one away on the money lines. Honestly, just really good value. If you're just picking a side on that one compared to having to go with the, the uh, over under or with the, uh, the spread sticking with the same division saints versus Falcons. This one could be a low scoring game. I think that's kind of the angle we're looking at on this one. The Falcons potentially one of the worst offenses in the NFL the Saints coming back in here with Jameis Winston coming off of his ACL recovery. You do have Alvin Kamara, which is a something we weren't necessarily sure was going to happen in week one. But with the uh, court date being suspended twice, he is back in week one. So was Michael Thomas. Not entirely sure what his stats are going to be. Because, look, he, is he going to get a full snap percentage? I don't know. I still like him this week. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like we're kind of looking at the same way in how the uh, the game script on this. We're both kind of looking at the under. I think it's probably going to be your play on this one. Am I correct? Yeah, I am looking at the under, and it's for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. I just don't trust Atlanta. I don't love what they have there. I like the young playmakers that they have, of course. But defensively, they have nobody to get out after the quarterback that's a proven commodity. Um, obviously, I like the cornerback position. Casey Hayward's one of my favorite players in the league. 
AJ Terrell is fantastic, but this is a young team. The Saints are one of the biggest sleepers in the NFC. I just think that defense is going to clamp down on Marcus Mariota. They're going to expose the issues that led to him being benched under Arthur Smith in Tennessee. It's a weird mix to have Mariota back with Smith. Overall, not an explosive line, not an explosive running game. So Saints are just going to key in, and they're going to know what they they're just going to key in on the passing game as soon as they get up one or two scores. So under forty two and a half for me is an easy play. I think this is a comfortable yeah, win. Saints five Saints. and a half point favorites in this one. I I agree with you. The Saint their biggest playmaker is who you're hoping because actually going to be Drake London, but he's making his very first start against Lattimore. I don't like that at all. That's why he's actually been a sit for me this week, although we don't have him listed on here. I'm staying away from the rookie making his first start against a top five corner. Kyle Pitts will be okay. We got to see what happens with Cordero Patterson. Not getting any younger in father time is undefeated, so we'll see what happens there. One other situation, I think we do both like what has happened in the offseason. The Jacksonville Jaguars open up the year against the Washington Commanders. Two and a half point dogs. But are you riding with the dogs a week or are you going with the commanders? I like the dogs. I, I really love Doug Peterson. I think he's a I great agree. hire for them. We can debate about the value of some of the contracts that Jacksonville gave out. It was terrible. Yeah. However, they raised the floor of this team significantly. This is a much better team than what we saw at the end of last year, not only just from the playmaking standpoint, but the coaching difference is going to be huge. We saw it throughout the pro- the preseason. Excuse me. Trevor Lawrence had easy reads, guys coming open quickly. They've got more weapons across the field. Washington's a nice team, but they've started slow. They started slow last year under Ron Rivera. I think they're starting to feel the pressure a little bit. Carson Wentz, we all know that he's a total X factor. He could be great, could be terrible. Two and a half points. I like the Jaguars on the road. I think people are sleeping on them a little bit because they look at the value of the contracts. Once we hit the field Sunday, it does not matter. What matters is that this is a solid team. They're going to make the most of their running game. I think they're going to give Travis Etienne some really good opportunities in the passing game, and they're going to maximize uh, a nice athletic group of playmakers, even if they don't have like an an And also Jacksonville getting back James uh, Robinson this year too. Also added in Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker on the defense. So I think that's kind of what you're speaking to in terms of some of the, the upgrades on the Jacksonville side. And honestly, you don't have to worry about what in the world is Urban Meyer doing this week. And that might be one of the biggest things in general. I'm giving a pass for last year. I, I, I do like Jacksonville this year, on the, this year, especially in week one where they don't have Chase Young, who is starting the season on the pup list. Uh, Bears 49ers, another game that you have labeled on here as one of the games you are looking at. I, I love the 49ers this week from a fantasy aspect. What do you kind of look at that as a betting aspect? Which way are you leaning with a game that does have the 49ers favored by nearly a touchdown at six and a half points? Yeah, it's it's a lot of points. It's understandable. However, you've got a West Coast team coming to the Midwest. So I generally want to look at the total on this game. 49ers under 41 with the Bears. I think that makes a lot of sense because expectations are low for the Bears. And it's understandably why their offensive line has been a mess. They're going to face one of the best defensive lines in football. Nick Bosa. These guys are just flyer on the field. Fred Warner, an upgraded secondary with Javarius Ward. I think the Bears are going to head in the right direction, but they're the team that grows from week one to week 18. They're not the team that comes out week one, just firing in all cylinders. Luke Getze, he's going to do what he has to do to get this team with some easy production. It's just going to come really, really tough this week. San Francisco, and you also have a first-time head coach. So look at Kyle Shanahan. Look at that advantage that Kyle Shanahan's going to have 
against Matt Eberflus. I think that's going to really show itself in the second half of this game. I don't think Chicago's going to move the ball especially well. They're definitely going to struggle to score if they do get into the red zone. They're going to be settling for field goals. San Francisco, they can go for touchdowns. Chicago's taking too many steps back on the defense, I think, to contain Trey Lance. Yeah, I like the Bears the are already a bad defense last year and traded away their best player. I, I, I do like the owner of this one, too, because it does give you a little bit of protection in case Trey Lance does struggle a little bit, making his uh, really first ever start open the season. Only had two starts last year. Had the game where he filled on halfway for Jimmy Garoppolo. But kind of, it's hedging a little bit on this one. Genuine question here. Are the Chicago Bears the fourth worst team in the city of Chicago? I think they are, and I think that the question is, you know, are they going to get yeah. the number one pick? I think that's another fair question, too. And I hope not for Justin Fields' sake, because I'm a big I fan just of give his talent. I'm not even Whenever that happens, it's If not I got great, number one pick, I'm taking Will Anderson. I'm hoping that's, so. I'm not I'm not doing that. After trading sure and so. up for Justin Fields, I'm not giving them. I get it's a different regime, you know, with uh, with Ryan Pace and, and Matt Eberflus, but I'm still not giving up on on Justin Fields. It's for me that one you got to go Will Anderson. He's the best player on the board in my opinion. Um, kind of sticking the same region here, but heading to the AFC South. Indianapolis Colts open up the season against the Houston Texans. They are big favorites, but I think you kind of like the favorites on this one too. In a game that should be pretty lopsided. I do, yeah. It, I don't love giving this many points. It's very rarely that I look at a game with seven points, seven and a half points in that range, and I want to pick the the favorite, but. I'm buying the Colts this year. I'm all in on this team. I think that this is a very high floor team. Matt Ryan, he's going to be a huge difference maker for the pace of the offense. I think he's going to convert a lot more third downs. He's going to be more of a reliable passer and playmaker than what we saw out of Carson Wentz last year. That's going to have a cascading effect. We've also heard amazing things about Stephon Gilmore, too. So I think this defense, they saw their ceiling increase. They saw the offense, their ceiling increase, their floor increase. Those two units are going to play off of each other extremely well this year. I'm excited to see Shaq Leonard, obviously with the name change, back. Hopefully he plays a full season this year after he missed some time last year. Just too many playmakers. That's really what this comes down to. Houston, they're not a mm -hmm. terrible team as far as compared to last year. I think that they did some nice things in the draft. They took some smarter flyers in free agency. They're just not a team ready to compete. They're a team that's two years away, and that's if they hit on the quarterback, if Davis Mills is that guy or if they, if they draft a new one this year. So it's going to be a long season for the Colts. Uh, I'm sorry, for the Texans. I think this is one of those games where it gets really grindy, but as you get to that fourth quarter, you start to see that talent start to pull away. Colts minus yeah, and They're also going to be asking a lot out of uh, Stingley Jr. and Petrie trying to cover with Michael Pittman Jr. and Matt Ryan on that connection they're going to have. Get those guys deep one time, and it's going to be game over. I can see a lot of explosive plays. Pittman definitely going to be inside my at least top eight at receiver if I'm pretty sure I actually have him even higher than that. Yeah, I do. I got him as a wide receiver number six on the week. So, yeah, I'm very much in on the Colts this week. Uh, Giants-Titans kind of sticking in the AFC South. Um, you're looking at the under. Why do you like the under in this one? Some of it's just not a lot of faith in the Giants. Again, we got a first-time head coach, first-time head coach on the road, first-time head coach against a very proven head coach um, in Mike Vrabel. But Vrabel's going to have his team – ready to go, even though it's not an overly explosive offense, they're going to play their brand of football. Their brand of football is smash mouth, back to the classics, Derrick Henry, let's shove it down their throats. It's going to be ugly, but it works. They're going to grind this game out, and that's going to play right into the under's hands. It's just not going to be a high-scoring game. Traylon Burks, we haven't seen what we wanted to see out of him. Ryan Tannehill, we have to see how he plays this year. Daniel Jones, obviously we don't know with him. He's an X-factor that 
could go either way, but has generally not been super high performing. This is one of those games that starts really slow. It's going to be ugly. There's prone to turnovers. Everything is pointing to me towards yeah, the I know the one. Titans are actually a lot of people's favorite picks and eliminators uh, for this year. Uh, they are five and a half point favorites in this one. But this is, to me, this almost feels like a trap game. It feels like one I just want to stay away from. If Tannehill doesn't play well, I mean, it's I, I, I kind of just want to have nothing to do with this one. If you're going to pick something, pick that this game might just be a bad football game. In week one, you never really know what you're going to get. It's like that Forrest Gump line. It's life's like a box of chocolates. Same kind of thing here. I'm kind of staying away from the Giants-Titans game here. Another game I think a lot of people were excited for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers opening up the on the road down in Jerry World. Two and a half point favorites over under sitting at 50 and a half. Which way are you leaning on? What could be one of the better games of the weekend, but Dallas is definitely not at full strength. Yeah, and I think that's a big factor here. I'm looking at Tampa Bay with the points. I just think that they're a stronger team. Dallas had a tough offseason. Obviously, with Michael Gallup, you obviously have that injury to overcome. They've been banged up. Exactly. Offensive line, Tyron Smith already out for the majority of the regular season. What's going to that you have the owner doubling down on Ezekiel Elliott being the, the offensive cog of this team? We know that's not how it's going to be playing out come this game just because that's you not how things work. The owner doesn't call the plays. But you also can't run on Tampa Bay. This defense looks really good. They brought back the majority of their talent. Yes, their offensive line is banged up. I don't love that. But Dallas didn't keep Randy Gregory. They replaced them because they got cute yeah. with their contracts. I bet they don't also love they kept, it. All the juju uh, around uh, Dallas is bad. Oh, Chris uh, Wilson. That went to uh, Miami. Could not think of the name for a second. Cedric Wilson. I bet they're wishing they yep. kept in because you don't yep. have yep. Michael Wilson. Gallup. Then you have James Washington. They brought him from the Steelers also get hurt. So you're looking at Noah Brown being potentially yep. the number two, number yep. three, because it's not like I, I love Jalen Tolbert. He didn't tear it up in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much to ask for. It's too much for a Dallas team that is already struggling in these primetime big games. They've done it for years. They're a good team. They took a step back. Tampa Bay has all the momentum. You also have Tom Brady entering probably the final year of his career. He's got some off-field drama with his wife. I think he's going to be reared up, ready to go, take out the, any frustration that we've heard about over this offseason on Dallas. So I like the uh, Tampa yep. Bay. And honestly, Tampa Bay is only going to get better once uh, Chris Godwin gets healthier and healthier. Yep. As long as Julio Jones stays healthy, they're going to have a dynamic trio at receiver. Going to move quickly on this one. Broncos minus six and a half going against Seattle. Like it's I, that to me, this is just a slam dunk one. Russell Wilson heading back home. He's not going to lose this game. Seattle has been way too up and down. You've got Geno Smith at quarterback. They don't have Kenneth Walker in this game. I'm all in on the Denver Broncos on this one. I, that's a pretty qu- easy one to me. I think the one that's more interesting is the Detroit Lions. Four and a half point dogs to the Philadelphia Eagles. A team a lot of people, including myself, picked to actually win the NFC East. Is this the hard knocks effect? Is this Dan Campbell? I'm see- But I'm seeing you're bullish on the Detroit Lions here in week one. I do. Philadelphia is one of my teams. I think they're the best dark horse team in the NFC to, to make the Super Bowl. I love this team. But four and a half points on the road, game one, you're integrating A.J. Brown. You're asking Jalen Hurts to already get on the page. Same page as him. Really good, really good reports out of camp about Jeff Okuda God, he and this passing defense for the Lions. We, I'd love to see it. He was such a great cornerback, and so I'm buying it this week. I do think that Detroit's going to slow this game down. They're going to just be like Philly. I think Philly's going to have some struggles passing the ball. They're going to get down to the run game. Detroit's going to do the same thing. They're going to say, we really can't pass on this defense too much. 
We're just going to use our backs. We're going to be ugly. And Dan Campbell loves getting ugly in these games. So I think both coaches embrace it. It's going to be a close game. Comes down to like the last couple of minutes. This is more of a field goal type of game for me. Even if Philadelphia is that much more talented, it's just play styles. We're just simply playing. Even if it's if it's a field goal game, give me Jake Elliott on that one. But uh, no kneecap will be safe on Sunday as the uh, Detroit Lions take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and if you guys want to win and get in on the action, if you want to win a free $200 in bets this NFL offseason, well, as a new as a new user on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win $200 instantly in bets. Just head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out our latest promo, our latest betting promos to claim this offer. That ad, we'd, ad read went about as well as Cam Akers last night. Not my best performance. We're going to move on to some DFS plays, some guys we feel are a little undervalued uh, for this weekend. I'm going to start with one, and it's... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Thanos' level of inevitability. Sammy Watkins in Week One. There are just some things that happen every single year. And actually, when we were, when I originally thought about this earlier in the week, when I had him listed as like a, as a potential streamer, that was when we actually felt a little better about Alan Lazard. But coming in right now with these prices already set well in advance. At $4,700, I am very much considering Sammy Watkins in a lot of lineups. Alan Lazard missed back-to-back practice this week. We haven't gotten the uh, report on what has happened so far today on Friday, but we'll definitely have a better idea. Make sure to keep your eyes out on that on Friday because it'll lead up to the weekend. Reportedly had his ankle stepped on. Look back in Sammy Watkins. Averaged 27.3 PPR points over the last three years on week one. Uh, four for 96, seven for 82 in a tutty, and then had his blow up game nine, nine for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. That's a Julio Jones type stat line. Did have an off year last year, obviously dealing with some injuries. Just the, it also didn't help that he played on Baltimore without having Lamar Jackson, 27 receptions, just under 400 yards and a touchdown. Uh, this is his third team. He stood up for in the last three years, but quite frankly, this is probably his best opportunity, especially right now. Christian Watson hasn't submitted himself on this roster back for being injured. Romeo Dobbs is still a rookie, and Aaron Rodgers is very particular about needing his guys out there. He has talked up Sammy Watkins, especially since the Saints practices where he said he's been the guy who's been in the right spot at the right time. He's the veteran. Sammy Watkins at $4,700 on DraftKings. I will be taking a look in both cash and even GPPs because he's scary. But at some times, Sammy Watkins will absolutely pay off. I see you've got another wide receiver listed here under our under on our undervalued plays for DFS. Why don't you give me the name of this rookie receiver we've seen got going on this week? Yep, and Wandale Robinson from the New York Giants. We just talked about Giants. Small man, in big upside. This is gonna be a game where you're scrounging. Exactly. Hey, look, whenever a team invests a second round pick into you, especially as a rebuilding team, that's a sign. That's a sign that they believe in you. And we've seen Brian Dayball do this in previous stops with smaller receivers or quicker than fast receivers. He feeds them the ball, gets them into advantageous spots, and it might not necessarily be the volume of a wide receiver one, but he's going to be effective in his certain matchups. 
So I really like him in this role. The Titans defense last year, yes, they were 11th in DVOA, so they were a strong defense, but they already lost Harold Landry. That secondary is getting a little bit older. Cornerback positions still weren't fully addressed from last season. I think we could definitely see him come in here, especially in the slot, because the rest of the the uh, Giants receiving core is a little mm-hmm. bit shaky. Yes, they're talented. Darius Slayton, good player. Sure. Kadarius yep. Tony, love him. Love also his injured. upside. But we have not seen consistently, also injured, we haven't seen consistency from this unit. Wandale Robinson is a fresh body, handpicked by this group. I think he's going to be in position to get a lot of targets yep. early and often. Only 3K, too. You have a hard time finding a more productive receiver in college these last couple years than Wandale Robinson when he made his transfer from Nebraska to Kentucky. Really flourished. Uh, Played a little bit of a running back also, so don't be surprised if you try to get him involved in the running game with some manufactured touches, some jet sweeps. Those are cheap and easy ways to manufacture a little bit of fantasy upside. Speaking of a guy with another fantasy upside, everyone seemingly is in on this guy as the tight end breakout this year. Number two target on his team. On a team that's going to be in a lot of garbage time. I'm with you on this one. Talk to me about Cole Komet tight end for the Chicago Bears taking on the 49ers this week. One of the best things we talked about earlier, how Chicago probably won't be too competitive in this game. That means they're going to be throwing the ball more. And the 49ers had the 15th ranked DVOA last year. Komet saw five or more targets in 12 games. Those two things are good recipes for us. It's not an overwhelmingly uh, uh, dominating defense. There's holes in that unit, especially because they want to play zone defense. Komet was already getting targets from Justin Fields. This is just going to further incentivize him. Bears are six and a half point home dogs. 57% pass rate last year for the Bears. I expect that to go up as they continue to fall behind in this game. Komet's just going to be, and he's a touchdown regression guy. We've talked about it all offseason. Was targeted throughout the season, didn't get a uh, near his due in the red zone. I think this breaks this year. I think he'll become the priority in this offense. I love him. $3,700 on DraftKings. You just re- really can't beat that yeah, too often. Komet was tight end. my breakout tight end for this year. Like I said, it was for a lot of people. And if you want to find a breakout tight end, there, there's two markers to look for. Does someone have a path to 90 targets or 100 or 10 touchdowns? Every single tight end that has finished in the top six in, in PPR formats since 2003 has hit one of those two markers. In half PPR, the only one that didn't was Mark Andrews with 80, 88 targets back in 2020. Yeah, Cole Kmet, give me him uh, this week. 49ers, not an easy matchup, don't get me wrong. They were seventh in uh, points allowed. Sorry, seventh fewest in points allowed to position last year, but it's volume. It, it's all volume this one because I'm not trusting a thirty a 25-year-old special teams ace out of college and the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver five to keep Cole Kmet from seeing his own targets. Uh, one big one for me, we, game we already touched on earlier, Christian Kirk going up against Washington, $5,100 on DraftKings. It's got an entirely different feel under Doug Peters, and we kind of saw the utilization, especially in that second preseason game where he had a ton of targets. But I think there's going to be a plenty of volume going around in general. Only once in Doug Peterson's five years in Philly did the Eagles finish outside the top 10 in passing attempts. You've got Trevor Lawrence. You're going to want to throw the ball, obviously. We look at Christian Kirk, where he really kind of made his big step in last year in his breakout year was that he moved inside into the slot. In 2020, Cliff Kingsbury only had him playing in the slot for 18% of the time. Last year, moved up to 78% of the time, which is where also the Jacksonville Jaguars do appear to be using him based off what we saw in preseason. He's also going to see be seeing Benjamin St. Juiced, who is moving also into the slot to cover Kirk. That's interesting because St. Juice was not that good at all as a corner. When he was in the slot last year, um, gave up 24. I'm sorry, just in general. Not, this is not even just in the slot. 
uh, when you going up in coverage when targeted, 24 of 37 when targeted for almost 360 yards with two touchdowns, allowing 14.9 yards per reception. Washington was 28th in EPA per dropback, 32nd in fantasy points per game, and 27 super receivers. We hit on Chase Young still being on the pup list. I love the the spread of the field. Jacksonville is finally able to get together. He's got plenty of space. I love the passing windows. We talk about the the money they spent. Christian Kirk was the big one. He spent the money and kind of reset the wide receiver market. A lot of these guys that signed these big contracts, you need to be thanking Christian Kirk to a certain extent, the Jacksonville Jaguars, for really saying, hey, yeah, we're going to be bullish on receivers this year. I like him. Marvin Jones, another guy I know me and you have both talked about um, off air, someone we liked in drafts. We'll see what Zay Jones does. Who knows? Even Evan Ingram might get a little frisky and do something this week, but I will take Christian Kirk as my underrated receiver for this week. We'll go one more here at uh, running back because there's always a running back that seems kind of just slip through as depth chart chains because DraftKings or whatever I use, they set these these value amounts well in advance. Damon Pierce, $4,800. I get he's going into Indianapolis Colts. I don't love that, but it's a $4,800 starting running back. I, it kind of is what it is. He's going to help you kind of create your lineups. Probably a better cash play than GPP just because the Colts are a good defense. And he was fourth and second level yards last year and 11th in open field yards allowed. Not great. They're also uh, eighth lowest uh, rushing yards and touchdowns uh, to opposing running backs. They were 27th in DVOA to running backs in the passing game, though. So if if Pierce wants to get a little bit of decent volume, he's got the receiving chops to where he can catch the ball out there. And on on average, it's about three times more valuable to have a target than a, a bulk carry. Anywhere between 12 to 14 points this week will pay off for Damian Pierce. Guy who can kind of help you fluctuate your, your lamps a little bit. A couple of the guys, look, Jalen Hurts wouldn't be surprised. He was the QB1 at 6,800 against Detroit. To me, that's still a good value. Michael Pittman Jr. at 5,500, which is less than Jamison Williams, who's not even playing. I'm sorry, that's absurd. Mike Michael Pittman Jr., fire him into every lineup you have, whether it's DFS, whether it's redraft best ball is already going to do it for you because he's going to go off this week i love him another one also going against the chicago bears this week is brandon Ayuk. we talked about the 49ers earlier i love him they're going to try to get explosive Ayuk is that explosive threat and he was the guy who stood out the most in training camp this year for the 49ers guy who was a great value honestly at value probably better value on adp than debo Samuel, in my opinion we'll see if that holds true now let's move into the just last topic of the day, just overall start sit for your redrafts. And I'll, I'll go ahead and start things off here with a, a quarterback who I am starting this week. A little bit of uncertainty just because he hasn't seen a lot of time in the NFL. Trey Lance going up against the Chicago Bears. Last year, Chicago allowed the six most uh, points to opposing quarterbacks and also traded away their best defensive player in Khalil Mack. They were bottom 10 in EPA per dropback. Trey Lance, what's he going to do? He's probably going to get loose. Last year in his two starts, averaged 60 rushing yards per game and 24 point, oh, sorry, 22.4 PPR points. During that time, QB 13, um, I'm sorry, no, he was QB 13 when he was also filled in for the one half uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. One of the also reasons, too, I like his rushing prop this week at 38.5. You get that at minus 114. Feels like a good bet. Sometimes those designed rollouts turn into designed carries for someone as explosive as uh, Trey Lance. I love him this week as my QB8, even though George Kittle, very questionable dealing with a groin injury. 
Debo Samuel, Brennan Ayuk, uh, Danny Gray. You got a good running game behind you, Elijah Mitchell. I am in on Trey Lance this week. Is there a guy that you think that you have uh, as a starter this week uh, for fantasy managers? I do. I like Hunter Renfro, personally. Looking at him against the Chargers, had great success. Put guys on ice last year. 10 of 13 targets. That's how many he caught last year. Only 58 yards, but three touchdowns in two games. Also, J.C. Jackson is out, the high-priced corner that the Chargers landed from uh, the New England Patriots. 29th in scoring last year. They were middle of the pack already in pass defense. Yes, they added Khalil Mack. I love that addition. But this is not a great time for the Chargers just to be figuring this out against a Josh McDaniels offense, which is exquisite at creating and then exploiting mismatches. He's going to move Renfro all over. We know Devontae Adams is going to get his, but Renfro, don't forget, he already had that chemistry with Derek Carr. We saw that already in the game one between Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills. We saw uh, Matt Stafford continually go to Cooper Cup. I think the similar thing will happen in this game. Hunter Renfro will get a ton of targets this game. He's a versatile playmaker. You got to get rid of the ball fast against that pass rush. That means Renfro is the guy yeah, to go I'm a fan for. of Renfro this week. Uh, right around my wide receiver 40 kind of range, but I mean, he's, he's a flex play. Love that. Like He's he's getting buried a little bit too much. I get Adam's going to get his own share of carries. I'm his own share of targets. So will Darren Waller, but yeah, I'm, I like Hunter Renfro. It's I just love watching him run routes. That's honestly one of my biggest joys is just going back and watching over his game film. One guy who hasn't been a joy this offseason, Antonio Gibson. I am going to be starting him this week against Jacksonville. I've got him right now as RB15. Brian Robinson is out. We don't know when he will be back. Had that just stupidly unfortunate issue that happened where he was a subject of an attempted carjacking, which resulted in him getting uh, shot multiple times in the lower body. Uh, he was in the facility. Things look like it's progressing well. We'll see him back at some point. But until then, Antonio Gibson, that roller coaster ride of his fantasy value. Right now, it's climbing, and we'll see if it doesn't crash this weekend. I like the matchup against Jacksonville. They were 10th most in rushing yards per game at 127. They're also tied for third on touchdowns allowed to running backs at 22. Ron Rivera did say they are going to give him the football, and I have no issues with that uh, when he was speaking to NBC Sports Washington. Even when J.D. McKissick was on the field, Antonio Gibson did see plenty of volume. Average 16.6 carries and 2.7 targets as fantasy's RB17 during that time from weeks 1 through 11. When J.D. McKissick was out, the carries did drop a little bit down to 15 but the targets went up to 4.6, was six most in fantasy points per game during that time. He's got to stop fumbling the football. McKissick is here right now, but I think the volume will still be there in a favorable matchup, assuming Walker and Lloyd don't just completely revamp this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I will start Antonio Gibson this week. Another running back consider uh, Rashad Penny going up against the Denver Broncos. Don't love the matchup. Broncos are going to have a really solid defense, but Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. And if you've got Geno Smith back there, game script-wise, he's going to kind of do what he's going to do. We saw how good Penny can be when he was healthy for the first time, really since 2018. RB1 from weeks 14 through 18, where he averaged over 18 carries per game and over 134 yards. Uh, 22 points per game, which was just insane. I, one of the craziest just stats to me, in all the times where he has averaged 12-plus carries per game, He's posted like at least 100 yards in a contest. Kenneth Walker isn't going to play. Amazing. We know amazing. Penny's going to get the volume. At this point, Like even if he's not yep. like the highest upside guy, 
It's one of the few times you can reasonably say, yeah, I can start Rashad Penny. Because outside of this, he's always going to be on the injury report. RB23 this week. If you need a, a low-end RB2 with some upside, I like him. Also, Albert O. We talked about um, this game earlier about how much we like these guys. Fringe tight end one. If you did lose George Kittle potentially this week, Albert O could be a very good replacement as this game will be at 8:15 on Monday night. Seattle allowed the third most points to tight ends last year. Their nine touchdowns were also fourth most. Albert O didn't see a lot of volume, but third highest target rate per route run last year went on the field at 23%. Has a chance with Noah Fant out of the lineup. Also, Tim Patrick done for the season with a torn ACL. You can't teach six foot six and four five speed. I'll give Albert O a shot as a fringe tight end one if you need a replacement. Those are the positives. Let's head about some of the guys we're looking at sitting this weekend. I gave you a little bit of crap in our uh, in our show sheet here where you put list of this guy. I was doing just because I, I just love his skills. He's been a guy I've been defending since his freshman year at Ohio State. But you're down on him. Give me your thoughts on why you're sitting Amon Ross St. Brown this week. Why is the sun not shining on the sun god? This is just not a great matchup for St. Brown against the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about it earlier. The Eagles are going to be running the ball. Detroit's going to want to run the ball. They're not going to be able to throw the ball a whole lot. And some of that is the Eagles were already the second best team against fantasy wise against receivers in 2021. Then they went out and they upgraded their defense. They added a ton of guys, James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis. I mean, Nicobe Dean. I mean, some of these guys aren't even going to play a ton in this week one matchup, but they're still ridiculous talent upgrades. Several of those guys directly affect St. Brown. The lions still have not announced an offensive play caller. That's just Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell trying to be cute. It, this guy's a good, good coach. I really believe in what he's doing there, but there's no need to be holding out on the play caller. They need to be structured. They need to be organized. They need to be ready for this matchup because they're swinging above their weight class. And we also have to remember too, St. Brown is going to suffer because Jared Goff is not good against pressure. He turns into Gumby. The Eagles ranked fourth last year in pressure win rate. They're relentless. And again, adding Reddick to that mix is not going to help it. Improving the coverage skills they have on the back end is not going to help. I just think St. Brown's in for a rough game. And overall, because the Lions offense is in for a rough game, they're going to have to scrounge for every single first down that they have as soon as they're off of their game script. So, and that's going to happen yeah, pretty I quickly. love St. Brown, but we got to see what happens because last year he had his blow-up games without Hawkinson and swept on the field. So we'll see what he does. I'm still in on him, but yeah, it could be a rough game just for the Lions offense in general. J.K. Dobbins, guy I'm sitting this week. I've got him down as like RB60 because I don't know if he's going to play. Even if he does play, I don't really care. I'm just avoiding guys who are coming into this week injured. Everyone at that point on your roster, for the most part, is going to be healthy. You've got as much capacity to make as many moves and changes as you can. I'm staying away from J.K. Dobbins. Don't love this, even though it's a good matchup. I want nothing to do with this backfield. Uh, Mike Kozeki, another guy I'm staying away from, a tight end, tight end 22. Tight end 7 and tight end 9 over the last two seasons, but New England plays him hard. They've only allowed an average 2.6 faints points per game last year. New England, third fewest points to tight ends last year. We don't even know what his role is going to be. He was probably the biggest loser when they brought in Tyreek Hill because we know what's going to change for his role. Also, Mike McDaniel loves his tight end play more in line to block like George Kittle. Don't love that one because he's not George Kittle. Mari Cooper, I'm staying away from him just because I don't want to do anything with the Cleveland Browns passing attack when it's not Deshaun Watson under center. Another one for me, Tyra Lockett, just way too boomer bust. For the past three years, four to five games have accounted for over 50% of his fantasy points per game. I don't know when I'm going to trust him. You've got Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan on this defense. 
I just can't get behind Tyro Lockett or just DK Metcalf. I get it. You want to take a shot because he's big and fast, but you're never going to know when to start these guys, and that's going to be my biggest concern. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Run the Table podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeart, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you enjoy your favorite podcast at. It is always greatly appreciated. Also, continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com, where you can find the latest analysis covering not only fantasy football, but betting, breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Also, get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, including the Cleveland Browns fan documentary that just dropped the other day. Shout out to Ryan O'Donnell and everyone else who's been working tirelessly behind the scenes to make that thing come together. That is a legitimate movie. I don't know how they pulled that one off. There's also going to be weekly giveaways uh, as a part of that and weekly AMAs, including this Sunday, we'll be doing uh, start, sit, and AMA advice to help you guys out for week one. we got the guy throwing out, going out during the week as well. Betting coverage also from Ian to help you kind of fill up that bankroll. It's also never too early to get involved with your mock drafts in the 2023 season, even though the 2022 just started. We're degenerates. It is what it is. You can head over to probook.com slash mock draft to get your drafts started. That's going to do it here. Good luck this weekend. Best of luck to your fancy teams. For Ian, you can find him over at NFL Film City on Twitter. I am Tommy Garrett at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck. And we'll see you guys on Monday for another episode of the show.